Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast. In this episode, we look at the GTX 1080 Ti and compare it against two popular upgrade theories. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren McCain. Dennis, there's a lot of news lately about the hot new video cards that are on the market. In the NVIDIA realm, I know you've taken a nice close look at the hot dog, the maybe the superstar of video cards, the 1080 Ti Edition. In case uh, folks haven't noticed, you can go check out the review of the GTX 1080 Ti Founders Edition on HardwareAsylum.com. Great review with some great benchmarks, but that's not really what I want to talk about, although we might want to. What I want to talk about is, is it time to upgrade, Dennis? Oh, it's always time to upgrade. I mean, <laughs> yeah. seriously, every time you look at your computer, you should upgrade something. It's sad but true, but I wish the budget would support that. So long-time listeners will know that I tend to be in that camp where I want to get the current technology, but I don't want to pay for it. Is that fair? I'm, I can't be the only one, right? So I try to find the sweet spot between price and performance. And so what that means is my most recent history is a 970, which we replaced as part of our build with a 1070 Gamer X from MSI, which is a fantastic card. Mm-hmm. And then we upgraded everything to water cooling. We did our water cooling project. Yeah, the Core V51 link will be in the description. What a fantastic project that's been. But I can't help but feel like with all this press and excitement with Ryzen and the new video cards and the 1080 tie and how much it spanks everybody's dog or at least their Titan X, mm-hmm. if it's time to look at an upgrade. So Dennis, I think we should start by uh, talking a little bit about the 1080 tie for the folks out there that aren't maybe on top of just really what a maybe light year step forward people seem to think this 1080 tie is. So let's talk about it. If you can go and check out the review, you'll see a whole list of specs and we'll just kind of go over a few of them here. We have six processing clusters, 28 streaming multiprocessors, 3,584 CUDA cores, texture units, a whole lot of numbers. Yeah. What this basically means is that we have a cut-down version of the Titan X, which, as many of us know, is the the pinnacle of the Pascal architecture. Now, hold on, because I'm pretty sure that I saw benchmarks where the 1080 Ti spanks the Titan X. How is that even possible? Overclocking. So the Titan X doesn't overclock? Well, the Titan X overclocks to a certain degree, but NVIDIA in their wealth of, uh, how you say, manipulation, was able to get the 1080 Ti to run faster than the Titan X by overclocking. All right, so maybe we should step back a little bit and talk about the target audience, because I know the Titan X wasn't really intended to be a gamer's card. Is that true? That is true. The Titan X is designed to be the professional card. So that's the one that you put into server render farms. You put them into workstation machines. They are designed for really fast computational sorts of things like 3D animation, 3D modeling, that sort of stuff. So why would I buy that as a gaming card again? Because you want to have the best and the most expensive I guess. Oh, okay. So it's kind of showing off really. Right. Okay. So overkill, but maybe not the right kind of overkill, at least now that the 1080 tie is available. We also have to set the stage when the Titan X was released, the 1080 was the high-end retail card. That was what you could get. That was considerably 
cut down. So it made Titan X look amazing and it, it performed amazing. It, but it was also available as a founder's editions card. Board partners weren't allowed to take the Titan X GPU and create custom boards. They weren't allowed to tweak the clocks at all. They couldn't change the cooler on it. It had to be exactly the way that NVIDIA wanted it to be sold. So Titan X has been out for a while. Is that still true? They're not letting them modify the Titan X cards? Mm-hmm. That is true. And oh. that is the way it's been since the original Titan was released. Okay, so I see kind of what's going on. So NVIDIA is driving a a wedge, and maybe for good reason, between the Workstation Titan X and the high-end gaming edition 1080 ties. Yes, there has to be a division and a reason for the price difference. Okay. So in terms of differences, I'm just going to quote something that I wrote uh, on Hardware Asylum. And let's see here. The card will feature a 220-watt TDP, which is quite a lot. So what's a TDP? That is thermal design power. That's how much power the chip will admit when it's running at full tilt. Okay. So that's quite a bit. And it has a 352-bit memory interface. I go WTF. That's basically where they got rid of one of the memory chips because it only has 11 gigabits of memory, whereas the Titan X has 12. All right, well, you got to do something. Hey, it's our friends Micron supporting the memory, though. Yeah, it's still using the GDDR5X, which is super, super fast. The big part is when GTX 1080 Ti launches, then there was going to be a price drop on the 1080 by $200. What? I mean, well, we have to consider that the 1080 Ti is going to be selling for $699, which was where the 1080 was selling for when it launched. So that means that's going to domino down, right? And I'll be able to get another 1070? Well, I think NVIDIA wants you to, but there's no price change oh, there. those jerks. Of course they want me to pay full price. Okay, well, we'll have to talk more about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the performance value of the 1080. So give us a little idea of how that puppy performs on the bench for those of us that haven't gone out to view the review yet. Okay, well, we'll just spin through the review. How about that? Okay. So let's start with uh, TimeSpy, which is DirectX 10. Dun, dun, dun. We have, look at this, a nice red line here. It goes all the way to it. This is the GPU score. So when you are running a FutureMark benchmark, there are three scores that it gives you. A combined right. score, a CPU score, and a GPU score. The GPU score is the one that I put in all the reviews, and that is the number of the video card performance. So you should be able to take that number, take this card, and put it into a different system, get that same GPU number, whereas the combined score will change. Okay, so for those of you following at home, we are looking at Dennis's 1080 tie review, hot off the presses. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for you to come and check it out on <laughs> hardwareasylum.com. All right, so we have the GTX 1080 tie Founders Edition card. It clocks in 9416. Okay, what's that mean? That is how many marks it had in the GPU score. The closest competitor, which is a EVGA DTX 1080 classified, already hot clock video card, Ooh. extra large VRM, pretty darn cool card. So in general, we like to think that the classified edition card represents about the pinnacle of what a card can do. So mm-hmm. when you see a 1080 classified edition, what we're basically telling you is this may be the best 1080 that you can get. Yes. And it clocks in 2,000 points lower than the 1080 tie. Oh, so that's impressive. And then looking at your chart, the bottom is the old 980 classified, another fantastic card, at about half the score. Yeah, that's the, well, that's the 980 tie classified. So it's still the tie edition, and it clocks in at 4607. 
Okay, so I'm already seeing that the trend, which is something that we've preached for a long time, where you should go every other generation on video cards, is kind of making sense here. If you have a 9 series GTX card, you're probably good to go. But if you have a 10 series card, it doesn't matter what it is, then you have to make a budget decision. Yeah. So when we start looking at some of the, like the 1070s and 1080s, we're going to look at Firestrike Extreme. Okay. We have a very similar chart here. So basically, uh, 13576 is our 1080 tie. The 1080 classified is 3,000 points lower at 10,666, which I put that in there because it was pretty awesome. Yeah, okay. So the 980, again, dropping to, oh, not quite half there. The 980 classified here at 6,573. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, roughly half again, two generations, twice the performance. All right, you're starting to win me over. Okay, so now we get into some of the fun stuff. So we have our... MSI GTX 1070 Gamer X. Ooh, that's my card. Firestrike Extreme. Look at the blue line we have. Oh, I'm proud. Okay, we're doing all right. 8691. Yeah, that's good, right? That's like uh, 10,000, so we're talking 2,000 less. Okay, maybe not as excited. Jeez, you're breaking my bubble here. Okay, so what else you got? We got, well, we basically have a 5,000 point difference between the 1080 tie and the 1070 so there's a considerable price difference or performance difference there yeah okay so do we consider the 1080 tie two generations over the 1070 because there's a 1080 and then a 1080 tie am i stretching there yeah a little bit but we're also talking about sweet spot in terms of price and performance yes that's a great point so if we go to our friends over at Newegg, for instance, we okay. have the 1080 Ti uh, GamerX. We're going to look at the GamerX. Right. So great card. Great card. Currently selling out of stock because worldwide shortages, but it's listed at 750 Okay. So that's a lot of money. What's the MSRP on the Founders Edition again on the 1080 Ti? 699 699 without price gouging. So... Mm-hmm. There's a bit of a, it's a bit of a price increase just because it's a better card. Well, yeah, and you're paying for the aftermarket cooler, and in theory, maybe it's a better card from the production there. Yeah, so now if we look at your card, which is the 1070 Gamer X, it's currently selling for 420 Ouch, okay, so doing the math in my head, so I get a second 1070. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to step back because... We talk pretty frequently about the sweet spot. You'd mentioned this already. So for years and years and years, Dennis, we've preached two things like the gospel, and they've been generally very true. And the first is that the sweet spot is never, of course, the top-end card, but usually the second-end card. And with NVIDIA, that tends to be the one with the 7 in it, the 870, the 970, the 1070. And that's not always true. I mean, if we go back, the 6600, for example, was the sweet spot. That was the 60 series, where, you know, the 1060 is still a decent card. But Mm -hmm. when I was reviewing the cards that I got, it was painful to watch the benchmarks in the settings that I had set up for my numbers. So what I'm trying to point out is if you're like me and you don't have an unlimited bottomless budget like some of these crazy overclockers... (coughs) I don't want to mention any names. Um, um, you're probably looking at how much is good enough. And in last year's generation, or last generation, maybe more like two years ago now, mm-hmm. it was the 970. So what we really want to do, Dennis, is talk about the second piece of advice that we pretty regularly give people that are upgrading. That is that you want to get in at the sweet spot, which in this case would be the 1070. 
And then when the price drops, of course, which it should be doing now that the tie's out, does it make sense to buy a second card? And does that give you equal or better performance than buying a 1080 tie? Well, let's look at the numbers. Let's start with the numbers because we're going to go price first and then look at performance. How's that? Okay, so price near and dear to my heart as I'm always trying to get the best bang for my buck. All right, so we're going to take your system. So okay. we have the 1070 Gamer X. Right now it's selling for 420 on Newegg. Okay, now I want to point out that the Gamer X is a fantastic card, but it is not the cheapest card. So keep that in mind when you're looking at 1070 prices. Yeah. So if we double that, we have basically 840. Right. And if we look at the 1080 tie in the same GamerX vein. Which should be an equivalent, right? We have $750. Okay, so doing the math. So already we have an extra 70 some dollars. Right. Okay, so do we get 70 some dollars worth of more performance? Well, let's go to our friends over at... Dun, dun, dun. So I'm going to be pulling up a Firestrike Extreme score. Obviously, this is going to be slightly overclocked, about 200 megahertz above stock. And we don't know if it's a GamerX card, but we have an SLI score on air. And if we look at the graphic score, it is dun, dun, dun. 18610. Okay, hold on. So single card was banking in at what? So we go back to our review, and it is at 8691. So double that, uh, 16, 1700, 1700. Um, yeah, that's about right. It is about right. So we basically, we can double our performance by adding a second card. Okay. But we're also doubling our money. We're doubling which... our money and it's an extra 70, $60 depending on where you buy it mm-hmm. from. But then we also have to consider our incidental cost. So if we only have a 650 watt power supply in our system, we're going to have to upgrade the power supply. Right. We need to at least have probably 850, 1,000 if you don't want your fan running fast. Okay, so for those that aren't following my build out there, I'm running a 1050. So you are already set up to run a second card. Woohoo, which goes to show that a firm foundation or a good power supply is a great investment. Definitely. From a price performance standpoint, you are going to be a little high on the price curve. Right. But you're going to be getting considerably better performance because if we look at our Firestrike Extreme score for the 1080 tie, it's at 13,678. Again, that is making some assumptions that your system is up to speed, that your bottleneck really is your video card and not your processor or your RAM or something else. Right. So if you have high end components, what we're really saying is um, yeah, you still could get away with spending. Another 400 bucks and getting another 1070 if that's where you were and come out slightly ahead. Except for, and I feel like this is a big except, mm-hmm. we're only talking about a 1080 TIE Founders Edition at default clocks. Default clocks. I'm aware that recently there's been some news about the high end of the 1080 TIE performance. And this is pretty cutting edge stuff at the time that we're recording this. Yeah, out on... Um... You know, rumor site, WCCF Tech, I believe they broke this story. Basically, they found a screenshot released from Kingpin, because you can see his logo at the bottom, where nice. he broke 3 gigahertz on a 1080 tie. Which seems amazing to me. I didn't think that was possible, and I think we've had this talk, actually. So We have. With the, for instance, when the 1080 was released, a lot of people were not going after the classified edition from EVGA because there was no benefit for LN2 overclocking on the 1080. 
Pascal in general, just because of the voltage regulation inside the chip. Right. It pretty much controlled the voltage. You couldn't feed it anymore to get any more performance out of it. So you could max out the chip on air. Even if you put a water block on there, there was no way to get past the two gigahertz barrier. And that was something that everybody was talking about. So Kingpin has a few small advantages to this table because he's a factory sponsored overclocker yep. and highly, highly talented. He gets to play with this stuff all the time. And his partner in the lab is 10, who is, I'm going to say an electronics expert. Nice. So he is um, well known for uncorking cards. And if you go out to the Kingpin cooling forums, you can see some guides from 10 about how to get the best performance, best voltage out of your Founders Editions cards, and even being able to like lop off the VRM and add an e-power from EVGA to get even more power into that chip. Okay, I get that we're kind of getting into bleeding edge technology, but I need a little help. Let's start with what does uncorking mean? Uncorking is a term that they've applied to basically popping the top uncorking. Oh, okay. The performance cap on reference edition cards. Clever. Okay. Now you mentioned a couple of other terms too, that I want to get defined for the folks that aren't following this as tightly as you do. Mm -hmm. So you talked about the VRM, which is the voltage regulation module or something like that. It's the power supply that controls the chip and the card. So fairly regularly, at least in motherboard reviews, we talk about VRMs and occasionally on video cards also. Mm-hmm. So what does a 1080 tie have for VRMs by default? It's something like eight or seven phases. Let's go to the review. So on in my reviews, I always pull the cooler off so that you can look at the board itself and see where things are laid out, what size the VRM is, how big the chip is. If you go to the 1080 tie uncovered page, you get to see it all apart. And nice. I'm going to say that the Founders Edition cards are a little involved. To take apart, there's a lot of screws. <laughs> well, they don't want you to be tearing those apart just for fun. No, but we can pull up a, a close-up of the VRM. If you count the chokes, that's roughly how many phases are on the board. So we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So walk me through what this means. Every phase is able to deliver a certain amount of power. Okay. And as the chip demands more power, a certain phase will fill up with its power delivery and it will start asking for power from another phase. And that allows the phases to run cooler and not overheat themselves. They could get away with running maybe like three phases on here, but the heat that it would produce would quickly burn the card up. Okay, so let's go back to the Kingpin, for example. I Mm -hmm. think that the article, now again, not to be considered gospel, was saying that they had something in the neighborhood of, what was it, 16 or 14? 14 14 dual phases on here which is basically saying that they probably put an e-power on a reference card. Okay, more explanation again is necessary. Wow, I feel like we're really bleeding edge here. Yeah. So EVGA sells this device called an e-power or EVGA power or external power. And it's basically a VRM. And it's not unlike the VRM that is on the classified edition cards ever since like the 1060, or not 1060, but the 680. Okay. So this VRM has 14 power phases on it. It gets three power sockets in there, and you can plug in an EV bot and control all the different voltages. So you can control the memory voltage, GPU voltage, all from this card. 
So what it does is it replaces the stock VRM, the one that has eight phases on it, with something with 14 so that you can deliver more clean power to the GPU, more current, and will be able to push the clocks as far as the chip will be able to handle. And I'm guessing less heat also? Yeah, less heat, although it does have a heat sink on there. But it's designed mostly for LN2 overclocking when you're pushing these cards to the limit. Believe me, that if you put an e-power on a, any GPU, it can deliver enough power to actually fry that chip without supercooling. Okay, so that makes sense. This is not the kind of thing that a normal Joe like me is probably going to have in our stable. No, but what's amazing is that with the modifications they made to this card, they were able to get past that 2 gigahertz barrier, which kind of leads me to believe that the cut-down Titan XP chip that's on the 1080 Ti doesn't have that internal voltage regulator. Nice. So th- these clocks might actually be legitimate. So when the 1080 classifieds and maybe the ultra strict cards from Asus, when these boards come out with these enhanced VRMs on them, we're going to see a lot of very similar numbers. That's a kind of an interesting concept because right now the availability is so sparse that there aren't really a lot of aftermarket cards. In fact, I don't remember seeing any for sale. I know a few have been announced, but they always seem to be sold out. Well, you remember when 1080 and 1070 came out? No, that's true. You were waiting in line down at Micro Center, and they said, hey, oh we have two. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, 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 that's a story from another podcast, but I really did travel to a different state to get my 1070. Not on purpose. I just happened to be there, but I really did stand in line, and that <laughs> well, makes me feel kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, well, the shortage during that time lasted about three months. And it was to the point where there was other cards being released and you still couldn't get a 1070 or 1080. So the 1080 ties are having the same sort of shortage where they're in such high demand or they produce so few of them that the manufacturers can't get a hold of them. But there also is not custom boards out per se. These are all reference cards all Founders Editions with custom coolers and whatnot. Right, but that just means that the price point is controlled by NVIDIA, right? For the most part, with the Founders Edition, they set the price, and then the manufacturer can go and gouge them if they put a custom cooler on it. Shortages, of course, you're going to get gouging. So right now it's a bit volatile, and it may not actually stabilize until probably after Computex. Just my thoughts. Well, it is that time of year. So we were speculating about this earlier, and you had mentioned that that EVA, which was used in this case, does have a couple of different uh, higher-end video cards available, and I wanted to kind of give those as an example because mm-hmm. I know that they have the For the Win 3, and it has the ICX technology on it, which you very recently did a review on. Mm-hmm. Link in the show notes, but the ICX technology is their new cooler technology that puts extra thermal sensors on the board controls the fans independently instead of just having one fan for the whole card. You have a fan dedicated to GPU temperature, a fan dedicated to VRM temperature and memory temperature. The For the Win 3 splits those up now so they have a fan for GPU, VRM, and memory. So if you want to have the best cooling, all three fans will come on. Or if you just need to have light cooling so like the memory is too hot, only one fan will spin up. Okay, so let's kind of capsulize this for the folks that have paid attention to the whole podcast and stuck with us so far. Mm-hmm. So I think it's fair to say that the 1080 Ti is the performance king. Yes, I would agree. Absolutely. So from a price-to-performance standpoint, you're going to, at least at the time that this is being recorded, pay a premium if you want a good 1080 Ti, especially if you want a aftermarket like the For the Win edition, for example, or the Classified edition. 
Well, you can't get the classified yet. Oh, so time will tell. Yeah, but, but that brings up a good point because right now the 1080 ties are not in season. You can't get them. We also have not seen custom boards from any of the partners yet, aside from just custom coolers. So right. we have like the ICX one from EVGA, but no actual real For the Win card. You have the For the Win 3, but you don't have the classified edition or any of the higher end ones. We don't see those from uh, MSI aside from the Gamer X. So we don't have any OC cards there either. So I have a feeling that when the, the stocks replenish later this summer, that's when we're going to see these other boards coming out. And that might be the time to actually buy these. Well, if nothing else, we know that if you're holding out for Christmas, like a lot of folks do, that you'll probably have better availability then. Mm-hmm. So again, 1080 tie, the current king, but you're kind of limited to the reference if you can find one. Do you think it's worth holding out for a classified or a for the win, assuming, of course, that you're budget friendly? I think it depends on how you plan to use your system. Right. We talked earlier in this podcast about how people were showing off buying the Titan XPs, which is the the Pascal version of the Titan X. Right. That was, you know, a $1,200 video card. And it was them saying, hey, I have this Titan card in my PC. Or or two or Or four or or, whatever. However much their pockets would allow. In terms of performance, you have diminishing returns, obviously, when you have the ultra high end. That allows you to turn up details, allows you to run like 4K panels, 4K surround, you know, stuff like that. Right. The lower end ones, you have to start turning down details. It, you know, 1070, they say will run 4K, but it's a bit choppy. So you might be able to run like a, a widescreen, ultra widescreen or a 30, 30 inch panel. That would be about the sweet spot of that sort of performance. Yeah. Or of course, invest a little extra in free sync so that you can keep things in sync and and that helps too, but then you're paying a little more for your monitor. The person that's going to be buying the 1080 Ti obviously is probably in a 900 series card or something with AMD or even a 700 series card. That, that's the market. So you're going to upgrade. You want to get the best, something that's going to last for several years because that's really how computer hardware is, right? Because there's still people running 2600 Sandy Bridges because they don't need to have a Cabby Lake. Mm-hmm. I think you've made a valid point. We've talked about this a little bit, not just in this podcast, but in previous podcasts. The market tends to do sort of a yin-yang where sometimes the software is ahead of the hardware. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the hardware is ahead of the software, and that kind of determines your buying uh, strategy. And right now, I think it's safe to say that the hardware is back again ahead of the software. Mm-hmm. Another point about the 1080 tie, and especially the custom versions, is that it's going to be something that overclockers are going to want. Not necessarily because it's the fastest card, because that's how you get points on hardware bot, but also it gives you the most flexibility, especially if the, the voltage regulation is gone, like what I speculated before with that 3 gigahertz barrier now. So you'll be able to put uh, a water cooler on there and get a much more performance out of the card, be able to tune it a little bit more, be able to turn on more features. But again, that's in the ultra high end, so you you may not need to overclock as much. Well, let's go back then again to the rumors. As you know, I started this podcast by speculating about whether it was time to upgrade my 1070 to a tie Mm -hmm. with the assumption that maybe it's a stretch, but this could be a two-generation jump, which is the general guideline for the very earliest that you want to upgrade your PC normally. Mm -hmm. And we, I think, have already talked about well, yeah, you can get a second 
1070, but there isn't a real price break over buying a 1080 tie straight. So if you don't already have a 1070, it doesn't really make sense today. But that's only because there hasn't been a price drop in the 1070s, only the 1080s. Right. But I would say that you are right in that we have that two generations. So if you look at the performance of it, in SLI, you can get better performance, at least in the Firestrike Extreme benchmark that we looked at, by adding a second 1070. But we also have to consider that not all games support SLI the that same way. That is true. And NVIDIA has been uh, really clamping down on what they support in SLI. You know, they don't support three-way and four-way SLI anymore. SLI on the 10 series is over the high bandwidth bridges. So obviously you have to have that bandwidth bridge in there. You have to have the game that supports it. And then you also need to have your monitor that can take advantage of that extra power. If all those things fall into line, then yeah, I would say this two generations go to the 1080 tie. You save some money, you get the same basic performance, but only if you don't already have a 1070. So what I'm hearing, I think, is that there isn't a really... I guess, strong case to upgrade from my 1070 to a 1080 or even a 1080 tie, despite the uh, price breaks on the regular 1080s. But on the market today, if you were in, say, a 9X series, Mm -hmm. uh, would you recommend the 1070, the 1080, or the 1080 tie? I'm going to buck my normal recommendation, and I'm going to say 1070. Oh, yeah. 1070, still the sweet spot. Well, that's good to know, folks. So anyway, we've talked about a lot of products in reference to a couple of reviews. So if you're on the market, we'd love to talk to you about your upgrade process. And if you're in the market for a 1070, I certainly am an expert. Drop us a note on the Hardware Asylum forums. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2017. Thanks for listening.